Welcome to Babble of the Brews. Deep thoughts fermented over time and text. I'm coming at you, Aaron Crew Juice, Faverka, and I've got Mike. Howdy. I've got Gumby. Hola. I've got George. Yo. And I've got Captain Deadpool. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> so he's going to be our resident skeptic today. Before we dive into that, because this is going to get deep really fast, before we go into that deep side of the pool, I'm going to introduce our brew. This is the Cream Brulee Nitro Stout. The Blackwater series unleashed the popular flavor Cream Brulee and Nitro for the next level drinking experience. Nitro Cream Brulee offers cascading creamy richness with notes of vanilla and custard with a smooth milky finish that is uncannily true to the namesake dessert. Each southern tier nitro can, can uses integrated technology to release the nitrogen when opened. The nitro instantly activates mm-hmm. a smooth mouthfeel and thicker, creamier wow. head for a decadent experience. This comes at us at 10% ABV. Wow. Oh, my God. Excellent. Well, this is like mm-hmm. rose sex. Yeah, this is... I would seriously buy this. If it were just a fragrance, I would buy this. This yeah. this would be a perfect candle. I'm worried that it is a little flat. So, Ricky, what I was really? telling them was I was all over the place. So I actually went to Southern Beer Brewery that we have here in Cleveland. And they usually don't sell it um, in a crawler because it goes flat because of the nitro. So it's either going to be really good because I got it on draft or it's going to be flat and you guys are going to hate it. So It's a tad flat, <clears throat> but not bad. The nose on this thing is amazing. Yeah. I, I can count on one hand how many brews I've had that have an amazing nose at this level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. I mean, it's just. This is a top five oh my flavor Lord. I've ever had. Top five. This is just, really good. Yeah. Yep. And, and the, the flavor itself, it, it could make a really good ice cream. <laughs> it's just like. Dang. Wow. I mean, Southern Tier does well. I mean, they have the Pumpkin. Is really good. Yep. I mean, they have a lot of good stuff. That's but that's just phenomenal. That right there is phenomenal. So, hey, Ricky, uh, before we get into all the uh, the fun discussion stuff, uh, we connected through TikTok, and yeah. you were up to one hundred seventy thousand. Am I am I correct for that? One hundred seventy thousand followers, roughly. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm pretty close to one hundred eighty now. Nice. Um. So. What do you, I mean, I know, like, for me, like, I would love to be, like, kind of like a small, like, TikTok celebrity and have that kind of following. What What's that like? Yeah, do you like, I assume you like it. Like, I would relish in it. It seems like you really enjoy it. I don't know if I'd, everyone in this room would say that, but what do you think about it? It's it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like, um, I I had no idea that I'd gain the following that I have. I, I made no effort to get it. Like, I don't follow trends. I don't even use any descriptions or hashtags in my videos. Like I just make them and post them just for funsies. And suddenly I got a ton of followers. Um, you had the one yeah, TikTok. I, I, you're like, wow, I got a lot of followers last night. So I must've did something. Yeah, exactly. Like well, you're hitting a nerve. Yeah, yeah, those those sure. adult favors that I perform for the, the algorithm team seem to be paying off. <laughs> um, but no, I, uh, it, it's crazy. Um, that this this happened so fast. I've only been on TikTok for like four months ish, four four or five months, and I've got you know I'm, as many followers as I have. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it is crazy. Um, it's a little. It got a little overwhelming for a time. Like my uh, DMs uh, were completely open to everybody, and uh, they got very overwhelming because 
I would take whatever time it would need or would require to to answer all of the like dozens and dozens of DMs I would get every day. And it got so overwhelming and I had to like disable that feature. Um, and I'd say when I had about 10,000 followers was was kind of like the best in, in a way. I was able to like consistently interact with everybody in my comment section and, and the DMs and everything. But as I gained followers, I had to, I, I had to pull myself back because it became a, a stressor mm. um, in, in my day-to-day -day life and became a, yeah, a stressor on my mental health. Wow. Um, Cause I'd stress myself out over those, over it. Right. So, so yeah, I, what I about the haters? Do you have a lot of haters giving you a lot of slack or do you find yourself in a lot of good conversation or do you have a lot of people that are just kind of hard headed and stubborn and just want to yell at you? I, I have a lot of that for sure, but not <laughs> as much as some of my friends who have a much smaller following seem to get. Right. Um, like I have, a, I have a bunch of friends who get shadow banned pretty consistently. Um, I've never been shadow banned. Um, or they have content get taken down regularly. My content doesn't get taken down. And I've had a bunch taken down specifically when I talk about Islam. Uh, those That's usually go question. down. Yeah. So I was going to say to yeah. you, um, I noticed you don't steer away from it. Now, myself personally, like I, for some reason, I, this is just weird. This is like a social weirdness. I don't know what to say. Taboo. Maybe I feel totally okay. Like trashing Christianity. I'm scared to talk ill will towards my, even though I have the same critiques and skepticism and, you know, things about it that I've learned about that I just disagree with, um, you know, from an ethical level, but I have a hard time speaking out about it. Um, do you have that same feeling or you're just, you're so well educated that, you know, I know I, I did have that, that worry at first. Um, but I have, I have friends who are ex Muslims who have been doxxed, um, their, their personal information has been put out in public and they they get very real death threats. They're in a much more dangerous situation than I ever could be. Um, so I had a friend of mine whose name is Tyler red one. I think, um, he came up with this idea of going after, uh, Islam, the way we've been talking about Christianity in an effort to like draw attention away from them. Um, and I was all for it. Uh, it, it seems like the more, because I have such a large following, uh, TikTok does not really want to shadow ban me because I, I create so much traffic for them. Uh, so I kind of use that to my advantage. Uh, like my, in, my, the individual videos that I make will be, will be taken down, uh, sometimes, although not even as often as I thought they would. Um, but my account hasn't been banned because it would be doing them a disservice. Um, so I don't know, like like TikTok's algorithm is is very weird. It's locked up in a safe, like the Coca Cola uh, <laughs> recipe, you right? Know, recipe <laughs> is. Um, but from my experience, it seems like attention begets attention, and attention begets protection have from you, you know banning. Have so, you thought about shaking your ass or dancing? <laughs> I, I've thought about that a little bit. I did. Um, <laughs> I did one like uh <laughs> I know you did the one with the red screen when they they all act super sexy and hot and then you were about to do it and you're like no I'm not doing that. Yeah, I did that one. <laughs> I did one prior where I actually did like a full blown strip tease where yeah. I just stripped down to underwear. Yeah. Um and I I deleted I mean, these guys it the would probably next be upset morning. about it. I 
I'd close my, I'd close my eyes, but I'd still watch it. Yeah. I mean, only the WAP. If you do the WAP, You're right. e- evangelicals know how to adapt, man. So. <laughs> Um, oh man! So I have a question yeah. for you guys too. So I think you guys are in a challenging position too, because I think when we do have guests and stuff, like I was talking to Ricky just now, is like you know I I try to create friction, and that's because we're friends. Like me and Juice, you know, we we yell at each other, and then we drive home talking about mixed martial arts, act like nothing happens. <laughs> and then like when we have guests, I usually just play nice. You know, you guys are like, oh, George is a skeptic, and we kind of like joke around. I'll ask some simple questions, but I, I don't really like I don't know discuss or I don't know would be the word I'm looking for, disagree with them too strongly. So today, you guys are in the opposite end. Like, you guys have someone that is going to really kind of question your views and stuff like that. Are you guys feeling challenged, like, trying to, like, put the plight card on or anything like that? I mean, no, you brought good beer. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, don't bite the hand that feeds you. That's true. Mike, how you feeling? No. You feeling comfortable? Yeah, I'm feeling comfortable. I mean, I, I, there's, I think we're pretty respectful here to where I think as long as it's a two-way respect, and I'm not looking yeah. to shame anybody or be shamed, you know, and uh, I think I'm firm enough in, in my beliefs, you know, that it's not, one conversation is not going to shake them. Gotcha. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's, that's one of the things that we're taught uh, in Catholicism is to appreciate everybody's view and to have a loving respect for everybody. All right. Cool. I actually have a similar question for you, Ricky. Um, sure. Do you know, uh, it's actually a two-part. Do you know, uh, like, do you have a gut feeling on your breakdown between believers and non-believers that do subscribe? Hmm. Good question. Wait, say that again? Do you have, like, a, a gut here. feeling on percentage of believers versus non-believers that follow you on TikTok? Um, there's not a lot of followers or believers that follow me. Um, but there are a, a, a handful. Um, and I, they're, they're more on the, the intellectual side of, of Christianity. They're the ones that, that have degrees similar to mine. They have an education similar to mine. Um, and they will challenge me from time to time. Uh, but by and large, I would say maybe 90% of my following uh, agree with me in like 10%, but I have a special place in my heart for, for the Christians or, or whoever uh, that follow me and have stuck with me uh, through this whole time and, and challenged me from time to time. Um, I love those guys. Uh, I wish I had more of them. That's really That's helpful. Cool. Yeah. The second part of my question is um, considering the, the sort of the climate of today and how people are looking for validation in whatever they believe so if you believe one thing, you kind of seek out someone else who believes in you. You have celebrities that believe in the same thing you believe. You ever, like, take a second thought and just sort of think, like, oh, crap, you know, I'm affirming kind of their thoughts, what they desire. I'm not really letting them discover, you know, Christ or, or religion or, you know, a, a secondary belief because I'm, I'm affirming you. Because you, you have a big background and a relationship in, you know, you've been through this. You know where they were. You ever kind of lose sleep or anything about that second guess yourself i i do actually um i i worry that um I, at the end of the day i want everyone to to follow their own path to do their own research and to come up to their to come up with their own conclusion right um i, I do worry frequently that some of the people who follow me are just like this is it this is the guy i'm gonna agree with everything he says because he seems like he knows what he's talking about but at the end of the day 
a little bit, but I don't know everything. And there are people more educated than me that would disagree with me. So yeah, at the end of the day, I do like, hold on, don't just blindly follow what I say, figure it out for yourself and then, and then come back to me, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Fair enough. So can we get some of your background? Uh, there you, go. you were a Christian, but you became atheist. So if you could just fill us, catch us up to date a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as briefly as I can, um, I became a Christian when I was 15. I got invited to a youth group. Um, when I was in high school, I really enjoyed the youth group. I was kind of an awkward teenager. I didn't have a lot of friends. I was very goofy. Uh, and I came to this youth group and everyone was very welcoming. There was like fog light or fog machines and strobe lights and a snack <laughs> bar and a, a live rock band. Um, and it, I was instantly drew, drawn in and everybody was very happy that I was there. And I was hooked instantly. Um, it, it filled that like social void that I needed. So I got more and more involved. I, I played the bass guitar. So I joined the worship band. I joined the drama team because I was in acting uh, in high school, I went to missions trips and ended up doing the Ray Comfort, Kirk Cameron, Way of the Master. Uh, went to a seminar, got their autographs in my Bible, and then started doing that street evangelism style thing. Like I was, I was just all into it, and I was obsessed with my Bible. I, I read, I poured over it every single day, and I started getting, as modestly as I can say this, okay. Um, I started getting res- recognized as kind of a prodigy in my church. You know what I mean? And, and people would come up to me and be like, God has, has spoken to me or God has given me this, this message for you that you are called to ministry. Like I had multiple people tell me that. Uh, and so that's what I was like, okay, okay, yeah, sure. So I ended up going to Bible college for two years. Uh, it didn't work out. I couldn't get, I couldn't keep paying for it. Um, so I joined the army, joined the army as an infantryman, uh, went to Iraq for a year, uh, finished my contract, got out of the military, went back to Bible college for four more years, uh, and finished my degree. A lot of things I learned uh, were very upsetting. Like one of the biggest examples is the fact that the Gospels were written anonymously, and we have no idea who actually wrote them. Like that fact alone shook me to my core, but it wasn't just that. I got very heavily uh, involved in apologetics. Uh, my major was theology, not pastoral ministry, because I wanted to know everything about the Bible. I wasn't interested in being a pastor. I was interested in being a, a, a scholar in, in the Bible. So I got involved in apologetics and became obsessed with it. I, I, came, I, I assumed the goal that I wanted to debate atheists, actually. Um, so I, I became a big fan of Dr. William Lane Craig. Uh, I've read uh, a few of his books read a lot of his blogs and watched a lot of um, his debates. And uh, that exposed me to a lot of things that I hadn't been exposed to before. And so I started what one belief in my, my Christian doctrine kind of fell after the other. Hmm. So I liked, I, I, I was still a Christian kind of when I, when I graduated um, I like to say that I left the, the faith intellectually long before I left it emotionally. So for a couple of years, I, I didn't believe in any of it, but I still went through the motions because I was involved in another church. Um, I was in the worship band as well. 
Um, I was in a leadership position and it was, it was kind of an awkward time because I was like, I don't believe in any of these things, but doing all this. And at one point, my, um, when, my, when my third son was born, he almost died. He, uh, he had two heart, heart rate monitors on him and, he, and they both flatlined at the same time. My, my wife, now ex-wife, was rushed into to have an emergency C-section and I was pushed into a literally a small, dark, cold room um, and just left to wait. And I started to like revert back to my Christian roots. Like I hadn't prayed, I hadn't read the Bible, I hadn't done anything for quite a while until that point. And I started praying again. And then lo and behold, they wheeled in my my third son, perfectly healthy. He had to spend a few or some time in the NICU, uh, but he was alive and was healthy. And I was like, praise God. And I, I kind of backslid as an atheist <laughs> and started came back into my Christian roots. I started praying again and, and, and listening to worship music. But the, the doubt was still there. And I, I couldn't fight it. I tried very hard to make God real again in my mind, if that makes sense. Um, I, I didn't want to leave the faith. I tried very hard to make it real again to myself. But I didn't feel God the same way. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit uh, the same way I, uh, that I used to. And I was leaving my faith, and I remember very vividly, I was in my car, I was crying, and I was like, God, I need you to show me in some way that you are real and you are still here for me and if you, it, I, I might stop believing in you if, if you don't. And as soon as I asked that, I just felt this overwhelming sense of like calm and peace. It was very weird. And a lot of other fellow ex-converts or those who have gone through it, the deconstruction process. It really is. Yeah, it's, it's a weird experience. So like, as soon as I asked that question, I prayed to God and, and I... The, the silence that I heard was the loudest noise that I've ever heard in my life. And I realized that, or I, I believed that maybe God was never there in the first place. I had just been taught and I believed that he was. So that's the point where I emotionally became an atheist. After that, I became very nihilistic, got, was very depressed, little, little thoughts of suicide here and there. Mm. But, uh, you know, eventually I, I started just making peace with myself, I guess. Yeah. Sorry if I rambled a little bit. Oh, no, 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 it's a beautiful no, no. story, man. No, it's it really cool. Is. No, good. Thank you. Yeah. So intellectually and emotionally, if we put that aside, instinctually, what does that tell you? Like, what do you think... Is there a spiritual or some sort of divine energy? How atheist are you? <laughs> I, I'd say I'm. I I don't have any. I don't believe in any sort of form of spirituality. Um, I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't like discourage spirituality the same way I do organized religion. Um, I think that can be healthy when applied correctly. If you want to do yoga or be Buddhist or be Wiccan whatever is fine do you it's not not my thing um but it's not the same as organized religion so go for it i'm, I'm now i'm not going to assume absolute knowledge and say that there is no god there there isn't one i'm just saying as a vast majority of atheists would say that uh, 
I just have a lack of belief in God because of the lack of evidence for a God. If that makes sense. I hope that answers yeah. the question. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. Fair enough. Beautiful. Well, I guess I, um, usually Aaron takes the lead and he's responsible for most of the programming. So this is my first taking, uh, first time taking a shot at it, Ricky. All right. So I'm going to try something out here. I got a handful of your TikToks saved to my phone. And really? I thought, yeah, oh yeah. It's a bit creepy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, know, you have a stalker. My wife me what I'm in the bathroom so long for. Um, <laughs> Making me nervous. Sorry. Um, I need a little more God in my life. Um, so you know who to ban now. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to block me right after this. He's like, this creep. Um, anyway, I thought um, just some interesting takes. Again, I... Uh, I don't know if you, well, again, you got so many followers now, but if you looked at your phone, you, you probably noticed that, you know, George liked this, George liked this. I was going through um, your whole history today. So I feel like I know, it, it does feel creepy because I feel like I know a lot about you and like you're just seeing me for the first time. But anyway, Restraining I order. Were, <laughs> I thought we'd review some of your TikToks. We could listen to them and just have yeah. that lead some discussion and see where that goes. And I got some backup if this is just falling flat on our feet. And, like, and Gumby sure can always uh, edit it out if it bombs. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm sure it won't. So, um, so the first one is, I know um, Juice here, he has shared some pretty passionate opinions about uh, speaking in tongues. And uh, here's one where someone asks you, um, how do you explain speaking in tongues and, and the Holy Spirit? It happened to me once, and I'm not sure if it was the herd mentality or what makes an advance. And I'll go ahead and I'll play uh, your TikTok. All right. I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. So my official denomination was uh, Assemblies of God. One of the fundamental principles of the Assemblies of God is that speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, sounds super culty, right? I spoke in tongues for a period of time, uh, but when this infilling of the Holy Spirit happened, I had a bunch of people around me praying, praying in tongues, encouraging me to just just start speaking that the Holy Spirit's on you, my brother. The Holy Spirit's filling you right now. You gotta, you gotta just start speaking the language of the angels. It's peer pressure. That's all it is. Peer pressure. I felt the genuine emotions that come with it. I felt like I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was like, praise God, I'm fucking empowered with the Holy Spirit right now. All right, but no. Uh, even before I left Christianity, I stopped speaking in tongues because it just, I, I didn't get it. It didn't feel right. I thought it was weird. I didn't know how I felt about tongues as a doctrine anyway. Also may help to know that Christianity is not the only religion where you speak in tongues. So that's all the time I got. I hope that helps. Were you able to hear that, Ricky? Yeah, I did, actually. Excellent. It wasn't too bad. There's not a whole lot of argument you will get from me at all. Or me. On tongues. And it, Juice, what was your opinion earlier? Because we used so, to have somebody that was very strict, yes, and he was all about speaking in tongues. Yeah. And what was your thought process? So I, I am a former Assemblies of God person, as as is Gumby. Um, oh yeah, yeah, and and obviously I say former. <laughs> um, I am not against somebody who is speaking in tongues. I do not, and I I don't believe you have to. Unfortunately, in that denomination, they believe that that is the first manifestation of your salvation, right? So, um, That's correct. Yeah, and I, I firmly do not believe that. Um, and it, there is the part that they always neglect is there are supposed to be signs that accompany that. There's supposed to be yeah. interpretations. There's supposed to be. And the fact that they don't accompany those 
like virtually ever should tell you something. That's a huge red flag. So, yeah. So I, I do not believe it needs to happen, but I don't begrudge somebody, but I do not believe that everybody is supposed to speak in tongues. I just don't. Well, I mean, right out, right out the gate, you don't, Ricky, you don't even feel like it's genuine to begin with. If someone does, it, there can't be any chance that it's genuine, correct? Uh, I, yeah, correct, I'd say. Yeah. Not much to build on there. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. I like, I value the whole entire Bible, like from the beginning to the end. I always, I, I can read it over and over and, and get something different out of it. I get spoken to. There's very little tongue speaking in the Bible, and I have no idea why certain sects of Christianity put so much emphasis on it. And and honestly, you know, we talked before, and I always say Christians are the worst thing for Christianity. And, and when I f- hear people speak in tongues, I totally agree with your statement. It does seem forced. It seems peer pressure. I mean, I've been pressured before to do it. There's never anybody, anybody around to interpret it when it happens. Mm-hmm. I feel the spirit mm-hmm. in the room when it starts happening, and I think people are just, you know all of a sudden overcome by it, but I don't really feel like it's an angel speaking through them. Yeah. I mean, the book of Acts is really one of the only examples that it started happening. Yeah. And even that and the Bible was... even says not to um not to speak it in the presence of non believers, right? Yeah. There you go. Well that and even in the New Testament, it was actually a sign of a very specific prophecy. If you go back to the book of Joel, it was a very specific sign to accompany the coming of the new age. So even then, it was never meant to keep happening to everybody all right. the time throughout the ages. Right. It's, um, the experience I've had with speaking in tongues is the person speaking the tongues, if it's the pastor, it's a hype train. It really is. I, mm-hmm. I've been in one service before where I remember the pastor literally calling people to the front teaching them how to speak in oh, tongues, yeah. having people spin in circles and then, you know, start speaking. I was told personally, I was told that I had demons inside of me because I wouldn't listen to the pastor for speaking. Uh, in tongues. Yeah. That's part of the reason I kind of I have a similar story. And I'm like, like dude, wow. I'm not doing it. I mean, we just, we just butted head the whole times and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I can't, I can't yeah. force myself to do that. Right. Yeah. It felt so unnatural and, and fake to force myself to do that regardless of the peer pressure, which is a question I have for you then, because you said you did sure. speak in tongues before. So when you did speak in <laughs> tongues, do you feel like any part of that was real or it was just, just a peer pressure of other people around you? At the time, uh-huh. I, yeah, at the time I thought it was real uh, because you know, emotions were very high. You know, mm-hmm. they, they set the lights a certain way. They play a certain <laughs> songs and, yeah. and then everyone's around you and praying. So it, it's your emotions are very much manipulated. Yes. Um, and it, it, cre- it artificially creates, yeah, just a hype, a heightened sense of things. So at the time uh, I, I thought it was very real. And then, then I would go to my Bible and I would like read about it, trying to affirm. And I realized that, the reason the the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit, or speaking in tongues, is the initial uh, evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit within the assemblies of God, is because that is the first sign that the Holy Spirit appeared on the 
uh, early church in the book of Acts in the upper room. They had tongues of flames above their head and all that good stuff. The problem is they weren't speaking glossolalia, which is the like gibberish, for lack of a better term, I guess. Mm -hmm. They were speaking isolalia, I think is the term, if I remember right, where they were actually speaking a foreign language because it says that everyone on the outside, they could hear under they could understand what they were saying in their own dialect right so so my issue was okay how is this the the how is glossolalia the initial evidence of the infilling of the holy spirit when biblically it's isolalia that's that is what happened there so immediately i was like okay i'm and my logic you know kind of took over and i was like this this doesn't make sense i don't think this is biblical even though this is the denomination that I've invested myself into, I, I don't see a way to justify this biblically, mm-hmm. even though everyone around me does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, until I can say something, and then someone else around me who speaks Spanish, who says, hey, you just spoke to me prophetically in my own language. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to speak in tongues until something like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that and that prophecy was specifically because that was the gathering of the Jews, right? So yeah. all the Jews at that time came back to uh back to Jerusalem and then it was all Jews that were listening from the different lands that spoke foreign languages that then heard the message in their then native tongues. And so that's mm-hmm. why it was the sign is because the, it was the gathering of the Jews. Can we pause right there. We're going to do a word from our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to train Muay Thai? Perhaps there's no gyms near you. Perhaps you work odd hours. Perhaps, like a few of us, you don't like germs. Whichever way it goes, you can train online with some of the best instructors from around the country, either live or in class with other students. Living Muay Thai gives you the chance to do all of this and much more. So jump into live classes and on demand right now. LivingMuayThai.com Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. I have a friend who, he's a a pastor now, or minister of some sort, and uh, he gave a a sermon in a tongue that he didn't speak. Like, he spoke to a a crowd of, I don't know if it was Italians or whatever, um, just out of the blue, in their native tongue, and he can't speak that language. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I've, I've heard known, a lot of stories like that. I've known one experience yeah. in our church where there was order and um, some kind of context uh, in terms of different dialect where this lady, I won't mention her name, she still goes there, but she did speak in tongues, and there was interpretation, and it was a very specific thing, and it was kind of like, all right, you did it, we translate it. It's over with. Yeah. There was no music. There was no hype around it. And it was over. And it didn't really happen again. I don't know if it has happened again since then. Um, And for me, that was like a punch in the stomach because that was completely against all tongues. Because for me, I've only seen, you know, the hype and the fake around it. And yeah. uh, I was like, <laughs> well, what if, what if there are those cases where you know, you're speaking in someone's dialect or their specific language and there's order around it and it does quote unquote minister to someone who yeah. needs to hear it. 
I, I think it would. Uh, I think the rarity actually speaks far greater. Right. Turn it, Jasper. Yeah, for, yeah we are kind of agreed on that one. Well, that yeah. was, you know what? I'm feeling good. <laughs> Juice, this is a hard job, but yeah, that was my intention. As a good icebreaker, is kind of gets you on something. Um, so this <laughs> next one, we've definitely. Um, you guys are going to know what I'm talking about right away. I'll give Ricky a little bit of background, but I mean, uh, and so the next one, and I'll play it before uh, we get going, but it's a discussion of uh, miracles and prayer. And boy, Ricky, if mm. we, if we swatted this one, um, we've gone at it pretty hard. Like in a, and I think they're beautiful stories and I, and in ways like, I kind of wish it was to be true, but also at the same time, I want you guys like selling yourself short. Like I think juice, um, you used to have this beautiful story about how you wanted, you know, to find love and, you know, through God, you know, answering your prayers, you were able to find Kendra. And then, you know, Mike, you were asking, you were, you were injured for such a long time and, you know, you asked God to help heal your knee. And then just like that, it happened. And I think they're great stories. I, I just have a hard time swallowing it. Um, so anyway, I'm going to play uh, Ricky's TikTok on, and then um, someone was just asking, can you give us your take on miracles? So my take on miracles. Every story of a miracle you ever heard is just that. It's a story, which is at least probably embellished, if not completely hyperbolic. There's a missionary uh, called Reinhard Bonnke. Some of you probably heard of him. Stories of the miracles that happened at his, his meetings, or whatever you call them, uh, are pretty insane. And there's a lot of them. Things like limbs growing back, people being brought back from the dead, etc., etc. This guy's tried coming to the U.S. to do the same miracles, and he couldn't do any. We're told because we as Americans don't have the same kind of faith that uh, those in uh, Africa have, which is where he primarily lives. Still no videos, which is weird, especially in this age. No medical documentation, nothing. Also, had a friend who was hit by a semi-truck and said, and survived, and that was his come-to-God moment. My reaction to that was, if you suck started a shotgun, you would not have survived. Body is capable of handling more than we think. So, no, I don't believe in videos, but if they are out there, show me the videos. All right. Cool. Now, to be clear, though, I've <laughs> never said that that story, I think it's awesome. Uh, me finding love, of course. I've never defined it as a miracle. <laughs> okay, maybe that story was a bit off, but we've definitely gotten into it about miracles and this happening before. So yeah. I, if you guys want to help me out here and maybe yeah. carry on the discussion about what we've had, where you thought you experienced a miracle. I'd like to go first. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this one, I've, I've experienced several, but this one was the most intimate to me because I didn't believe in miracles, or at least I believed in them, but I didn't believe everybody would experience. I think they're more rare than what's put out. And um, I was in a prayer just to catch you up, and I and some of our audience in this group has already heard, and I'll but I'll go fast. Uh, I was in a prayer ring, and yeah, a young person that's going into ministry had called people to step forward if they needed prayer. Well, no one stepped forward, and I felt empathetic for them, and I felt, oh man, I'm embarrassed. Someone needs to step forward. Prior to that, about a year before that, I broke my leg, I fractured my tibia plateau, and have two screws put in, and I always had like a I don't know, a three out of 10 pain. So something, I can walk downstairs, I turn sideways to kind of avoid it. Just something nagging and annoying. I could still run 5Ks. But I, I stepped forward, I said, hey, can you can you pray for my leg? It, it just sort of irritates me. And um, <clears throat> pray for my heart. I had some sin I was I was dealing with. And uh, one two people stepped forward, one started praying for my heart. And then the other person started praying for my leg. And I felt a physical transformation. I felt a snap in my thigh. So my knee hurt, but I felt a snap in my thigh. And I also didn't believe I'd feel a healing because it's a three out of ten. God has better things to take care of. <laughs> and uh, 
I even tried to justify it as it's the warmth of his hand. So I did not believe, I did not want it. This is not embellishment or hyperbole. It took me days before I'm like, I can't even deny it anymore because I, st- I don't feel any pain. Once in a while, it's cold, rainy, I'll feel a little bit of arthritic uh, thing. But, you know, it was a life-changing thing. And how can you, how can you doubt that? <clears throat> My son is 14 and a freshman this year, and he's in track. And he said, uh, you know, he's, he's running, he's running 800, but he practices the mile quite a bit. And he averages uh, like a six-minute mile or whatever. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, that's good. We'll work on that. You know, I, I averaged like a 530 mile nice. as a freshman. And by the end of the year, I hit a five flat. And he's like... I just, I just, I think time was different back then. I don't think it, the stopwatch was working right. He couldn't comprehend, you know what I mean? Because, because he's putting as much effort or understanding from his own experiences, you know what I mean? So I, I really think there's a blocker. I was the same way. I, I didn't believe a lot of miracles I saw happen until it happened to me. So I, I can't, I can't deny that. So you can't chalk that up at all to just being like coincidence or maybe even just the you putting yourself in the, the right space. Maybe you maybe you quit compensating. Maybe you quit turning corners. Maybe you started using your leg differently and maybe something happened. Like what what's what do you think the percentile that maybe it's just coincidence and that how I much think do you think it's 100 percent divine? I may I'll, you know, I'll be conservative. I'll give it a one percent chance that it was a coincidence because. I tried to exacerbate it. I tried to recreate it. I tried walking down the stairs. I tried jumping, you know, like I, I wanted to not believe, honestly, I not wanted to, but I've tried. There's no way this could happen to me. Something so inferior. I just did it out of embarrassment. And to me, that was like, everybody says we're two or more gather, you know, you have a stronger chance. And, but Christians always told me your heart has to believe that it'll happen. Well, no, that that's not the case because I didn't believe it would happen. God did it in spite of me. Right. I, again, I just, I, I have a hard time, again, especially in 99 to 1%. I am, it does make me happy that you at least throw out the possibility that 1%, because <laughs> I mean, the, the, the mind's a crazy, the placebo effect, I give you, I mean, the placebo effect, more effective than clinical trials of yeah. the actual medicine. So I get it. But the fact that I doubted it, I don't know. It really spun it on its head for me. So I guess for you guys, what would be the, um, <laughs> I mean, what's the hierarchy of prayers answered then? I mean, if he has time to help your three out of 10 pain, you know, what about those, you know, we're from Cleveland. What about those girls that were stuck in that basement right down the road? You know, what about the people in the Titanic that were, you know, I'm just saying there's deeper, more powerful, stronger prayers. And so that's the thing to me that it made it that there's no, as much as I relate to you so well, uh, you know, where it's logic and formulaic and, and we really want to pray, right. We really want to follow the rules we expect result. It's not, it's not a calculation. And I think that's what bothers humans is it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's very parabolic, you know, it's just. See, it's weird because when I was a, uh, a, a spirit filled Christian, um, I quote unquote divinely healed a couple of people who interesting. They would say uh, like one guy had a problem with his back and another guy I think had a problem with his arm if i remember right so i i prayed over them and i like i said the whole like i, I speak over the, the affliction uh over this man's spine right now I, I rebuke you in jesus name like i said all the like the flowery language that we you would use that you're taught to use um and then like the guy would be like when you said that i felt the hearing power the healing power 
my I, I felt the warmth of your hand, like just mm-hmm. just like you just said, right. which was like eerily reminiscent of, of my experience with that. He's like, as soon as that the prayer was over, I, I didn't feel that pain anymore. And I was like, oh my God, God just used me to heal somebody. What what? Oh my you know. And, and so that's that's weird. Experiential evidence or anecdotal evidence is, is very, very powerful. You can't deny that. But my question is like what what are the medical like I said in the TikTok, what medical documents are there? Like is there a doctor saying, like, hey, you had this x-ray right. before and this x-ray after is completely different? What happened? So that that's the kind of evidence I'm curious to see. Because again, like I again, like I said in the TikTok. Reinhard Bonnke made a lot of claims of healing, raising people from the dead, limbs growing back, like the most like out there stuff uh, you'd ever hear. But there's no actual evidence of it. It's all just anecdotal. That's what I'd be curious to see. So I I do have um, which might be interested and I can I can send it to you. Um, I do have a, uh, a paper from our own government. They went over to study Lourdes to find out about the miracles at Lourdes. And uh, Rick, are you Lourdes. familiar? Okay. Yeah, the, uh, so it, Lords is—I won't go over the whole story, but uh, more or less, oh, it's a spring of water where people experience healing. So, okay. so people take pilgrimages there, and there's actually a hospital that sits right outside of Lords to do verifications before and before and after, and there's a whole clinic, and, and they're predominantly, you know, uh, agnostic, and they do that on purpose. So that, that way there is uh, somebody who's like a third party set of eyes. Our government sent people over there to do an investigation. They investigated 54 of the miracles and they couldn't explain it. They did. They did verify that all of them were real, that all these healings actually did happen. But obviously they said, hey, it could be something we don't understand yet. It could be we don't know what is causing it. But they did verify that all 54 of those miracles were real. So, so it's, this, was just, this was a place that people could come and be healed pretty much no matter what their ailment for was. For the last, like, uh, I think 400 years, yeah. And when did this study happen? Uh, I think it was five years ago. I have, I have the paper. All I right, have, so I it's relevant. Paper. I was yeah. going to push back if you were going to say it was done, like, 50 years ago. <laughs> no, um, no. Yeah, but yeah, I can send you the paper on it. It's uh, it is it's all verified right through our government. So it's I, I actually pulled it off of a government website. Like I trust our government. <laughs> so just I mean, trust the government. It's interesting. I have seen a lot well, of. Oh yeah, yeah. If you want to send that to me, I'll, I'll definitely take sure. it. Along. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll text me your uh, email later. I'll send it, I'll, I'll send it over. Watch out! Sure, you yeah. might convert to Catholicism. That's. <laughs> Scary. So, oh, but that's actually what led me to Catholicism was <laughs> the evidence. There is a ton of peer-reviewed, scientific, historical. I want evidence. to save that for later after we so, chalk up the beer that's on my outline. Yes, please. Let's do that for our next beer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's go yeah. ahead. Let's go round three on this. Let's go TikTok number three. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we'll we'll. I got a special beer for us. And then, uh, then we'll roll with some of the harder, deeper questions. Cool. So yeah, I think we're having a good time right now. Awesome. So, um, I, I, the reason I chose this TikTok, Ricky, I think, um, my story's not as deep as yours, um, about losing my spirituality. Um, 
By the way, that got me, man. I just felt like I could really feel like how you kind of I felt that you like lost part of yourself and then you had to kind of journey to kind of fill it back up, man. I, and I, I really kind of dig that story, um, you know, asking God to reveal itself. I, th I think it's deep and I'm just I'm glad you're happy, man. And things are good. Um, yeah. When I started losing when I started questioning things and um, again, mine was more of a slow burn. It was definitely that when I was studying religion or I'd hear things, it was just all the darkness and evil and just things that were just clearly unethical um, on behalf of God or in the name of God. And I'm was like, whoa, whoa, is this, this is supposed to be my, you know, my journal or this is supposed to be my, uh, you know, telling me how to be ethical, but people are dying. People are turning into salt. People are getting raped. This is awful. Um, so I think you have someone that kind of talks about, um, the thing is, well, what about all the good things found in the Bible? And mm. this is your response to that. Man, and then demanded that they love and worship him unconditionally. And if they don't, he will send them to hell to burn for all eternity. This is the same God that ordered multiple genocides throughout the Pentateuch and the Deuteronomistic history. One of my favorite examples comes from the book of Numbers, where God told the Israelites to go kill all of the Midianites except for the virgin women so that they can keep them for themselves as spoils of war. God also killed all of the firstborn in Egypt. God also sent a horde of bears to maul 48 children to death after they made fun of Elijah for being bald. According to God's law, the punishment for raping a virgin is you have to marry her now, even if she's a child. If a child is disobedient, he needs to be stoned to death. God also condones the owning and beating of slaves. I'm not saying God doesn't exist. I'm saying if he does exist, he's a tyrant and doesn't deserve to be worshipped. And I think you really hammer a lot about my thought process there. Ouch. Um, <laughs> and I'm just saying, like, um, you know, is that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I think I've mentioned this before, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I really like God. If yeah. you guys are right, I don't know if I really <laughs> no, like no, him. No, we've talked about I'd rather be on the opposite side of the fence, man. We've talked about this. Um, the, 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 the one thing I will say is that it wasn't children. That's actually a misnomer. Uh, so when they made fun of him, the word, the actually Hebrew and Greek term that's used in there is young men. So it wasn't children. But, the, but they were still living, breathing people. They were. <sighs> yes, but they were. It's not as bad as children. <laughs> it's not as bad, not as, as, children. bad as children. Okay. We, we don't care about the technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> Semantics, <laughs> right? So I mean, so what's you guys' thought? So again, that's that's kind of that puts up a barrier for There's me. There's a lot to parse there because we yeah, could go on into I mean, each one of those stories for like an hour. You know, the, the go ahead, and, the go ahead and entertain me. The genocide thing has come up many times, and it's something that I have always right. had qualms with go in ahead, the Gilby. Old Testament. No, no, no. So I want to kind of stay out because <laughs> I'm kind of middle. I'm probably lean more towards his point of view mm -hmm. with some of the stories of the Old Testament. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think they're necessary. They, for me, they always opposing to what Christ's view was. You know, I, when I look at the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, and I look at Christ in the New Testament, it's like night and day. It really is. And so uh, for me, I think the skepticism is healthy. And being able to ask those questions, for me, was never allowed. I just allow it. And, you know, so I, I'm going to kind of stay out of this. If you well, guys how, got do you guys different... as, how do you guys look aside of that? How do you just pass that off? I mean, how do you just ignore that? You go or me? Good. All right. Well, I, I, I have a feeling Crew is going to talk a little about context, which is very important. But uh, for me, when I first decided to read the Bible, I was I was Catholic, but it was one of those Christmas Easter Catholics. Um, and really, yeah, yeah, not a lot of foundation. You know, it was sort of like what I was taught. 
So I started reading the Bible cover to cover one year. Um, and I didn't get very far, but I started reading some of this very disturbing stuff. And it basically ripped me away. Because I always thought, like, God is good and loving and kind because that's the secular God. You know, that's what, if you're good, you'll go to heaven. You know, like that all aligned with me. But when I started reading this, I didn't want to like God. I think God was, you know, he didn't seem like a, a good being to worship, just like you guys are talking about. But because I set out to read the whole Bible, like, I'm just going to do it. Whether it takes me away from Christianity or not, this, that's going to be the truth. And that's really what I'm after. And as I was reading it, though, it stripped me of all my sort of fluff and took me down to the core, almost shook me free, but then started building up and, and what I got from it and how I look past it is I can never comprehend what viewpoint God has, and it may seem extreme to me, and I, I don't just want to accept a God I agree with. I want to accept a, a real being, whether I agree with it or not, because it's almost like a hierarchical thing. And what we deem as evil, we only have a little view into it. You know, we don't have the full understanding. And I mean, I, let me let me go into a little bit of fence riding, I guess, is, is I don't think, I think the context is important because I don't really think some of the laws of Moses really applies today um, because he was speaking like, He's protecting a, a people, and there's these rules put in place. <laughs> there you go. Come, come be like that one. Um, there are rules put in place, like eating pork. I, I don't typically eat pork. It's not super healthy. Um, it's debatable there. But back then, there, there were diseases and stuff that went along with it. So um, I don't think you can throw it all away. I do think there's application there. Yeah, much of the much of the Old Testament, especially when it comes to the laws, because most of what you brought up were the laws of the Old Testament. Um, those are actually copacetic with the laws of Hammurabi for the most part, and you were always taught in the Old Testament and the New Testament to obey the laws of the land. Um, the laws that are laid out across the Old Testament are actually a little more lenient than the laws that were laid out in the laws of Hammurabi, but they are copacetic with the laws of Hammurabi. And so what you're going to find out is they're actually obeying the laws of the land through that. So it's actually it's actually God's way of helping them obey the laws that were set out. And I'm not saying that, that for us, this is a good thing, but these are the laws of the land of their time. And you'll find out that they were actually more lenient, especially on things like uh, women and slaves, than even the laws of Hammurabi were. And unfortunately, that's that's the story when it comes to the laws of the Old Testament. <sighs> I think they do that to me a lot. Whenever I bring up anything in the Old Testament, you guys always like, you're very dismissive it, of it's it. It's context. Like... It's context. That's the context. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've always kind of, I've always had issues with it, honestly, mm-hmm. and I've brought it up you before. Should. In today's in today's culture, you should have a problem with that. Generally speaking, I think anybody who, even if you're not religious, objectively, if you look at the Old Testament and the New, totally different. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Do you feel dismissed though by like, let's say my response? I I know Aaron's like body language when you do that that could be dismissive. Are you speaking of that, or would my answer be also? Um, no, I um, and maybe I was speaking a little bit general um than the particular examples, but I just feel like whenever I uh. 
Um, and it, this could be a little bit of ignorance on my part, admittedly, right? It's just like whenever I feel like uh, the Old Testament is trying to teach a lesson through some brutal, unethical circumstances, and I want to question that, um, you guys are just very, it's always like, ah, it's the Old Testament. Ah, that's the Old Testament. They don't even count today. Uh, just uh, like almost, I mean, many a time we've had that go yeah. around. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know. I just find it odd. Like, um, the Bible's your manuscript on how to live life, and that's included. So I just I find it odd that, you know, whenever I bring up these violent, unethical stories, it's always like, well, that doesn't really count, or they didn't really mean. That. Well, again, they shouldn't apply to today, right? Because today kind of we have a completely different set of, of laws of the land. It's a completely yeah. different set, so they should not apply today. Well, I think that's laws, but the the catastrophic events, the stuff that like. Nobody Genocide. should be okay with this stuff. I would say, and and I'm not trying to justify it. Well, I am maybe trying to justify it, you know, because it hurts and it sucks, and I don't want. I wish it wasn't there, but it is there, and um, I I think I can take application from it. But one thing that that kind of dawns on me is every story I've had in life that is bad or I've caused me pain. It's like one of my best memories to make it through it. And we look at these stories and, and we see an ending when it comes to death and slaughter and horrible pain and suffering, but we don't always see the other side. And, and if a whole village is slaughtered, I can't really speak for that. You know, like, like maybe, maybe a few of them, if they're, I don't, I don't really know where I stand on hell and eternal damnation. But if, if a select people were chosen to go to hell in eternal damnation, but the other ones that were innocent made it through the other side, whatever the other side is. I mean, I, I have a whitewater rafting story. They have that story. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like it's just we don't know. And, and so we think it's sad, but I don't necessarily have to think it's sad. I'm more stoic in that area. Well, to make it apply to you today, Brother Nathaniel always says he's an Orthodox Christian. And he says bad theology leads to bad behavior. So whether it happened or not, if somebody takes the Old Testament, reads it, takes it literally, or takes any part of it literally, and it affects the way that they think and the way that they act, and that person then goes on to become a politician, let's say maybe like a, a, a Pence, who believes this stuff in the Old Testament firmly, who is literally waiting for the skies to crack open for Jesus to return— and they will do anything to maybe hasten that politically. This is where I say, like, yeah, maybe we really do need, from the Christian point of view, relook at the Old Testament, some of that, and maybe try harder to keep it in context and keep it where it was. Ricky, I was talking, I think, uh, when you stuck away for a moment, I was talking to, I feel like uh, whenever I bring up examples, and very similar to what you just did, when I talk about those unethical issues or those moments of violence on behalf of God, they're very dismissive the moments it's uh, part of the Old Testament. What's your thoughts on that? As a Christian, it's very easy to ignore or explain away those issues in one way or another. You could say it was, it was cultural at the time. Um, it's not necessarily something God ordained. It's something that, that man wanted to happen or like the issues of homosexuality in Leviticus, you could, you can explain that away by saying that was the culture of the time, not necessarily God's ordination, because I tried to be progressive as, as a, when I was a Christian, 
as an atheist, I don't I don't focus a lot on the issues in the Old Testament like slavery or things like that because it's kind of low hanging fruit for me. My um a lot of my fellow atheists who are cradle atheists as we like to call them who are who are not who were never Christians. Yeah. Um they, they've always been atheists. That's usually what they what they hammer on. And it's not a bad thing. It's it's a very legitimate point to focus on and discuss. Uh, but but for me, um, I always try to focus on something a little more challenging, if that sounds right. Um, not exactly like sure what I'm trying to say. In the show and what I bring to the table, I think. So you're yeah. saying you like to neglect context. Uh, maybe. Um. <laughs> so so what you're saying is is all evidence of context should be thrown out to support your opinion. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I just feel like you guys do a lot of jumping through hoops when something evil right, here. happens. For example. Um, I mean, let's go ahead. Let's go with here, the uh, here, for, about the killing of the here, newborns. Here, here, let's here, go for it. Here, watch this. If any man ensnare another, putting a ban upon him, but he cannot prove it, then he that ensnared him shall be put to death. If anyone can bring an accusation of any crime before the elders and does not prove what he has charged, he shall... It's a capital offense, be put to death. These are the laws of Hammurabi. They're very, very copacetic with the laws of the Old Testament. I'm sorry. It's context. I mean, I can I keep going on. There's, I don't even know there, there's I don't a even know whole sheet said, of them. To be honest with you. <laughs> so, well, who's Hammurabi? Hammurabi was the laws that of the Akkadians, the Sumerians, etc., etc., etc. It was the laws of the land. All right. So is that in the Bible, the manuscript on life? You were taught to obey the laws of the land in the Old and the New Testament. Kind of like Jesus saying when he was asked about paying taxes, render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Like that's a way of teaching obey the laws of the land, yep. which also applies to the Old Testament. But then again, begs the question: if if the laws were tyrannical or anti or against God's nature, why wouldn't He do something to change them rather than tell people, okay, I know. It's it's f-ed up to 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 allow slavery, but just go with it for now, okay? Just just hear me out, guys. Go with it for now, but it'll it'll be okay later. You it's know, be a good like, story for you to learn from later, right? Well, but <laughs> yeah. so again, though, contextually, he does do it in segments because the laws in the Torah are more lenient than the laws inside the, of Hammurabi, so. There is a change. There is a change. There's more leniency, and he teaches more leniency than what the laws of the land are. Well, and I think we need to make a distinction between actual laws of the Old Testament and land versus what Yahweh ordered his tribe to do to wipe out another, you know, another group of people, simply because politically speaking, that would be more in their interest. So that wasn't a law in the land. That was Yahweh ordering his people to do that. That's hard to parse, right. and I get that it. I get the harder. argument. That's much harder. I, yeah. I've always, it's never sat well with me because, yeah. you know, you look at all the old ancient enemies that we've had, and you look at our political climate today, again, I, I just think there's always <laughs> a line. You but know, I'm, I'm curious for you then, <clears throat> as a Christian, so so I I, could, I know where George stands. He, he makes it very clear, respectfully. Yeah. But you, how do you rectify that? Do you say, God didn't say it? Or do you say God potentially did say it? That's a great question, I, and I'm sure we've talked about it before. I, 
you know, the God of the Old Testament for me was the Jewish people's national God, like all the other lands had their gods. That's kind of kind of how I view it. Everyone wanted their political God at the time to be the God, to take out your God so that we could take over your land. So I don't necessarily feel Christianity, especially here in the West, should hinge that much on the Old Testament, if at all. And I think it it just made it harder for Christianity when you put the two together. Yeah. Well, what about, I think the story of Job is applicable here to where <clears throat> Satan asks God if he can make Job suffer, because God is always saying, Job is, have you seen Job? He's righteous, and he would never, you know, sin. And so Satan's like, well, let's really test him. And God's like, yeah, just don't kill him. <laughs> and then, you know, Job's taken through the ringer, and his flesh is like melting off and all this kind of stuff. And then... <laughs> And then God appears directly to him in that, you know, before he snaps. And he has his moments of doubt. And, um, but I, but I really feel like there is suffering. You know, God does allow suffering and sometimes, um, command it even. And that's how I, I say it. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, the, you and I are going to differ here. That's the tough part, man. Right. It's like, it's one thing when life happens to you, yeah, because life will happen to you, no doubt. And yeah. I agree, suffering is going to come. But when you're the causation of that, it just, oh man, it's like a mind bender. I mean, it, you right? But but is that because of just because of our empathy though? I mean, is our empathy like I like? <laughs> this is funny. This is like Aaron is he leans vegan. Are you officially vegan? No, I'm vegetarian. Okay, vegetarian. He leans, you know, and and a lot pizza. of it has to do with he'll say evolution. Evolutionarily, we've adapted. And I think sort of like there's such thing as almost too much empathy in the world. It, it, it clouds you from making tough decisions. And, and sometimes I think not being able to accept the dark side of God in a way, because God, if he's the beginning and the end, he includes all spectrums. It sort of is you're picking and choosing your God. And I think you kind of have to allow stuff that's going to hurt. Ricky, how do you think, especially when you were a Christian and you were practicing, how did you deal with some of the, the dark side of God, as Mike would put it? Join us in part two for the rest of the conversation.